everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. This is the beginning of season three, and we're going to explore my life story as I got married, moved to the state of Wyoming, and then eventually was able to have children. As I came around the lighthouse on that hot July day back in 2007 and caught a glimpse of my soon-to-be husband for the first time, things felt like they had just gotten real. I walked down this grassy path with my father and then through some trees and up through the white chairs that we had arranged looking over Lake Huron. And there he was. I was going to get married. And I was so excited. I also thought I knew just about everything there was to know about marriage. In fact, we kind of both did. A few months before that, my brother had tried to give us some advice. And I remember us talking about it later saying, gosh, maybe he just has a bad marriage or something. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then we got married. And for those of you who are married, I'm sure you know exactly what I mean. It's really easy for us to look at something from the outside and be like, oh gosh, yeah, that's easy. I can do that. And then, then you get married. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We had a two-week honeymoon. We spent a week with my parents and a week with his parents. And then we moved out to the state of Wyoming, Bible College, 18 hours from home into this tiny little town of maybe 300 people into a little townhouse apartment by ourselves. And those three years in Wyoming were some of the best years for growth, for understanding. I laugh about it now because there was no place for me to run home to. I was 18 hours away, so I just had to deal with the misconceptions and the hurt feelings and the crazy expectations and all that stuff that happens when you're newly married. There was no place to run. There was a couple times that I would go take a walk around a little town or something like that, but you just were stuck. And so that's where we sorted out what it meant to be married. And coming into marriage, we came in, if you remember my story earlier, we talked about this in season two. My husband and I came into our marriage as complete opposites. You literally could not get more opposite than we were. I mean, I had been raised in this Christianese cult with all kinds of standards and rules and expectations. I was really sheltered. I mean, really sheltered. I had never had a boyfriend before the man that I married. I never kissed anybody until our wedding day. And so I was just really innocent and really like had no idea what to expect, except for the fact that I had a lot of ideas of what to expect because I had read a lot of books on marriage and I was very well versed in complementarianism. Didn't know what to call it back then, but I was very much into this whole idea of the man leads and the woman submits. Problem was, I was really terrible at submission. I just, my personality just did not go with my version of what that looked like. And so it was just a struggle for me. He, on the other hand, came from a family where both of his parents worked. He went to public school. He was involved in all kinds of crazy stuff before he came to Christ at 16. And so he just had completely different expectations of what this marriage was going to look like. And here we are, married, 18 hours from home trying to figure this out. 
I remember that I wrote in my journal before I ever married him. I think it was actually in the journal that I wrote for him. So it was letters to him. And I said, I just can't wait to be the person who takes care of your home for you, to just raise your children and be a little homemaker. And what, oh my goodness. Like if you saw me now, if you saw me now, little 16 year old Christy, you would just be shocked and horrified because being raised in my conservative Christian cult, I had a very different understanding of what marriage and family looked like than what I'm currently operating under. And so going into this marriage, I had some unique perspectives and some of them were kind of conflicting. The cultic organizational leader that we were part of, he was very much anti-marriage. He had never been married himself personally. And so he really felt like young people should just not get married for a very long time. And part of that was because he really wanted them to come and work for free at his many training centers around the world. Although it wasn't even actually for free because you had to pay to be there. But yeah, anyway, the more single people he could gather, the more work he had. Slave labor. Anyway, so I had that idea in my head. He was always telling us at different conferences that we should make these vows of singleness. And so I was swept up in that movement. And at 15, I vowed to God to give the next five years of my life to him in singleness, which was actually probably a very good thing because the church that we were a part of at that point in time, people were getting married really young. I mean, like right out of high school, a couple of the girls weren't even graduated yet before they had a courtship and a marriage and started having babies. And so that vow protected me from some crazy stuff that might have happened. The boys were interested when you had to wait for five years, you know. So I didn't get married, but I was watching all these very young marriages happening and feeling very old and single by the time I was 19 and and 20 and, and stuff like that. So that was just really weird. And I was surrounded by these women who were kind of a mix between like the 1950s and the 1800s. They had very strict ideas of what it looked like to be a woman. And so women stayed home. They didn't work outside the home and they homeschooled their children because schools were bad. And many of them had all kinds of old fashioned skills like gardening and sewing and baking bread and making candles and all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't a bad thing. But it was something that I felt pressured into being and doing. And there wasn't even an opportunity or a chance to even think about working outside the home or being anything other than just a wife and a mother. And then I had my own parents. And unlike many of the families that I saw where the man ruled and the wives submitted, or in some instances, the wives looked like they submitted, but they actually were the ones that were like telling the husband how they should lead so that they could then submit to that leadership. Because that makes a lot of sense. Anyway, my parents actually liked each other. And they had a very real fun relationship. Like I have vivid memories of them just goofing around and being super silly together. And so many times, like when I was a little kid, my mother in the summertime would keep this empty dish soap bottle underneath her sink. It wasn't empty because she'd fill it up with water. And so that she could just squirt my father randomly with it. And they were always just being goofy together and laughing. When I was a teenager, I remember finding them in the pantry one time. Like, I heard giggling coming out of the pantry. I was like, what is going on in there? And I opened the door and I was parents, they're like making out in the pantry. And I was like, what in the world? There was just this, this fun and laughter. And even though they were in an environment that was very much men lead, women submit, 
I think they did that to a certain extent, but it was also a very mutual relationship where they listened and there was give and take and my father respected my mother. And so I had this very healthy view of marriage in front of me. And I mean, they'll tell you they're not perfect. Obviously, there's things that they could have done differently and have changed over the years, but it was just a good example for me. And so you have all of this coming into my marriage. And what does that look like? And how do we work this out? And I remember trying to be this submissive woman that I thought I needed to be, which somehow I interpreted as like, don't tell him what my opinions are, just expect him to read my mind. Yeah, let me tell you, that doesn't work very well. And so there was all these really goofy fights that we would have often late at night because he hadn't read my mind correctly throughout the day. And so now I'm feeling upset and frustrated. And he doesn't want to have a conversation at night, but I really want him to have a conversation at night and he's not getting it, but I'm not willing to tell him. So I'm just laying there all grumpy in the bed and he just goes to sleep. So then I stomp off and then he comes after me like, what's the matter? I mean, it's just stupid. It's all like this. And it happened all the time. And so I had these opinions. I had these ideas. And yet somehow I felt like I had to keep them to myself to be a submissive wife. Wasn't going well. He didn't even want that kind of a submissive wife because that's not at all what he was expecting. And so we just had these just few first few years of just figuring it out. And this summer, we celebrated our 13th anniversary. So 15 years together and 13 years of marriage. And I have to tell you, I love where we're at these days. Are we perfect? No, we're sinful human beings. But we have grown in intimacy and understanding of each other more than I ever even thought was possible over the last 13 years. And we continue to grow. We continue to learn more about each other. And we continue to learn what it what the other person really needs and wants and what are they trying to say when they say that and how can we do this thing that's called marriage even better than we're doing it right now and how can we continue to be just friends and comrades and teammates and all of this stuff. And so it's interesting to see 13 years of this. I I went into marriage with these very conservative expectations. Uh, married a man who was not conservative and had none of those expectations. And yet here we are 13 years later and I would I would call our marriage healthy. Like it's a healthy marriage. I love being married to him. And as I've said before on this podcast, I wouldn't be who I am without him. He supports me and believes in me more than probably any other person in the world. And he has pushed me to be the best version of myself. And I'm sure he will continue to push me into the day that I die. And I will continue to improve and be a better version of myself. And I just love it. I just love that about him. I love his stability, the way he just holds me down. I'm the wild and crazy kite flying around in the wind and he's my rock. And He just holds the string and says, okay, honey, time to come in now. And I love that. I love that I can bring excitement to his life and I love that he can just provide me with some steadiness. So here after 13 years of marriage, what do I really believe about marriage? What do I believe this is? And I would just like to share some of that with you guys. Like I said before, I didn't really have verbiage at the time, but I and I don't really necessarily use this verbiage now, but I would say that I went into marriage as a complementarian and we currently operate more like soft egalitarians. So if you want to look that up or if you want to know how do we do it, it's kind of like that. We are we're teammates. We're partners in this together and we don't necessarily have roles of this is your role, this is my role. We are just we work it out. What are you good at? What am I good at? How can we do this together kind of a thing. And so that's that's just where we're at and I love it. I love it. So current beliefs about marriage that I want to share with you. 
Guys, if you're listening and you are single or divorced, currently single, we'll put it that way, I feel like there are some things that Christianity, Christianese has just pushed, and I want to just push back on that. Marriage is not the ultimate goal of life. So much of our churches and our Christianity are really just geared toward married people, married people with families, and it's almost like singleness is just not even accepted, let alone celebrated these days. But marriage isn't the ultimate goal. It's one way of being a human and having relationships. But it's not, it's not like that's the best way or the only way. And it's not like that's what God blesses and he isn't blessing anybody else. That's just all a bunch of hogwash. Marriage is not, it's not like this ultimate goal where everything's just wonderful and amazing and beautiful after that. Marriage is hard. Marriage is not going to meet all of your needs. And it's not going to make you happy. Not all the time. I. Before I got married, I wanted to belong. My brother got married two years before me. And I remember as he was getting engaged and planning the wedding, I was like single, like real single. I hadn't even met Josh yet. And I was just very single. And I felt so alone, so lonely. And I wanted to belong to somebody. I didn't want to be lonely anymore. I wanted to be desired by someone. And those weren't bad desires. Those aren't bad needs. But we just got to recognize that no human being can ever fully meet those. In a marriage, you can still be lonely. In a marriage, you can still feel like you don't belong. And in a marriage, you can still feel like you're not desired. I have felt all of those things over the years from time to time. Our marriage has not been perfect. There's been things we had to fight through and fight for and struggle through. And there's been seasons that have been not as great as others. And so a marriage is not going to just fix every broken part of your life. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can help you to belong and feel like you're not lonely and know that you're desired. No person can meet those needs. It's just not going to happen. But I do believe that a healthy marriage will push you to be a better version of yourself. You are going to see your sin nature in marriage. I thought I was a pretty decent person before I got married. Yeah. Then I got married and I was like, ooh, yikes. Then I had kids. That's a whole nother story. Like, let me tell you, I need Jesus all the time. All the time. (laughs) But a healthy marriage will drive you to Jesus, even as it shows you your blind spots. As you see these things about yourself, you're like, oh gosh, Jesus, I need you. That's a good thing. And a healthy marriage will give you a companion through life. Like it will give you that person. And I love that about a healthy marriage. It's not perfect. And there are no perfect formulas. That's the next thing. Because so often people are struggling with their marriages in the Christian circle. Ugh, you know how I feel about religious formulas. People are quick to throw a formula at you and say, well, if you do this, this, and this, your marriage will get better. If you just operate like this, then your marriage will get better. If your husband would just be a leader, then your marriage would be better. Guys, there is no formula. We're all different. Each marriage is different. And as always, you can't just pray a prayer or say a magic Bible verse over it and fix it. We are broken people. 
And so much of a good marriage comes from being willing to understand that we're broken, to give grace to the other broken person, and to seek help, and just to discover more about yourself. I am going to share things this this season, season three, that have just encouraged me the last few years and brought healing and life to me. These are just some tools that I'm going to share that can just be huge, huge in your life and huge in your marriage as each of you become a more healthy version of yourself. So a, a, a marriage is there's no perfect. There's no perfect. And there's no formula because it takes two people who are willing to work, who are willing to be humble, to be wrong, willing to grow, willing to be committed and willing to pursue one another. My husband and I do not have the marriage that I imagined when I was single, when I was in the cultic group. I don't have 15 children. I have two. I don't stay home. I work full to part time, depending on if COVID's happening or not. I send my kids to school. They don't even go to a Christian school. They go to a public charter school. I don't bake bread. I don't garden. Although I do like flowers. Flowers are fun. Um, I don't do all these things that I imagined that I would do. I'm not this submissive little wife who lets my husband lead me. Like we, This is a team effort. And he loves it when I just share my opinions. He respects my opinions. He respects my view of life. And I love that about him. He's also the only person in the entire world that's able to correct me without me getting super angry with him. Sometimes I get angry. But most of the time I'm able to just accept that. And so we have this, this thing that we have that's not like what I thought it would be. But that is okay. It's okay. 13 years of getting to know each other, learning to submit to one another, and work it out. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. In Ephesians, when Paul talks about husbands and wives and marriage, people are often quick to leave out the verse that comes right before that, where he says, submit to one another. And then he moves on to talk about ways that wives need their husbands to submit to them. Love us, cherish us, show us that we're special and where husbands need wives to submit to them. Respect us, honor us, show us that we've got what it takes. And so when we can do this together, it's not romance and flowers and music and picnics. It's not. It's practical. My husband and I were just talking about this the other day. I was saying, do you ever just miss that like, butterfly feeling we were first getting together and like oh my gosh it's so exciting it's like do you miss that it's like yeah like I do I kind of miss the whole like pursuit and like am I gonna get her kind of a thing and I was like yeah but it's not it's not worth leaving what we have to try to find that again because we've got this solidity we've got this solidness there's this like comfortableness this homey secure and safe and it would take so much longer to get to a place like this again with somebody else. He's like, oh, yeah, not worth it at all. And so it's just funny. You give up this momentary thrill when you stay married for 13 years. But you have in its place this just steady place of comfort and safety. So worth it. Guys, a marriage, a healthy marriage is a divine partnership. It's a commitment between two people to lay aside their own selfish desires for the good of the whole, for the good of the unit. It's two becoming one. And when two become one like that, it is actually an image of God. 
that we can show to the world. It's a picture of Jesus and his bride, two different people becoming one. I love it. Very soon in November, some of the people that I respect and love the most, Lori and Matt Krieg, I've mentioned them before, they are going to be coming out with a book called Impossible Marriage. And I am so excited to read it because their perspective is unique. They come, they have a mixed orientation marriage. I've mentioned Lori before where she is actually attracted to women and Matt is also attracted to women, but they are married and they've been married for, gosh, a number of years now. They have three beautiful children and they're writing this book about their impossible marriage and how this is a picture of Jesus. And I'm so excited about that. I cannot wait for that book to come out. It'll be here soon in November and I'll keep talking about it. Guys, marriage is an opportunity to show the world Jesus. Is it an opportunity for you to experience Jesus and for you to be Jesus to someone else? It's not, it's not magic. It's not all romance. It's not anything like I thought it was when I went into it. But it's more than I could ever imagine. And I'm so, so grateful to be married to the man that God brought for me. And so I know I probably haven't answered all of your questions or your thoughts or anything else. Go ahead, throw them at me, email me, hit me up on my blog, whatever. Let's, let's, let's hash this out. It's fine. I have other resources I can give you, and I promise I will not give you created to be his help me like I used to back in the day. That's just a shameful thing that I still think of. <laughs> so, but let's, let's just keep talking. Let's keep talking about this. Let's keep looking into it. And let's just keep saying, okay, how can we do this? How can we sacrifice? How can we struggle? How can we fight for this so that we can be a picture of Jesus? And next time, we're going to talk a bit about our journey in the state of Wyoming, how I was a teacher out there, and what happened when the person that I thought I was fell apart. So we'll talk a little bit about identity. And then from there, we're going to move on to motherhood and all the struggles and trials and frustrations that gave to me out in that three years in Wyoming. So looking forward to sharing that with you guys. So good to be back. So good to have you guys back with me and be sharing again and podcasting again after this lengthy break. But until next time, as always, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.